Amen. The media team's been doing a great job trying to keep up with me and my ideas. So uh, y'all pray for them. Amen. Um, I wanted to start a series this week and keep praying because we're going to be doing the same series in both locations and it's just going to be a time. But I I wanted to really address at the beginning of the year some of the things I think that um, we're going to need to take care of as we move forward in what God is doing inside of us as a group, as a church, as individuals in those areas too. So I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It's a very interesting portion of Scripture. Now, the writer of Hebrews is, is, is writing here, and he's talking about laying aside some things, talking about running a race. And he says in verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, someone say, my faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you, everybody say me, might not grow weary or faint-hearted. Father, bless the reading of the word to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Now, here's the truth. We've all got baggage. Somebody say, I got baggage. You got baggage. I don't care who you are, where you've came from, what you've been through. You've got baggage. And that's, that's just a truth in life. That's just the, the way it is. There's no way around it. Every one of us is a product of where we're from and what we've been through. And the truth of the matter is, the things you've gone through in your life, the things you've experienced... That's the glasses that you see the rest of the world around you through. That is how you see the rest of the world. Whether we like to admit it or not, that's the way we look at the world. If someone has been rude to me, then I I can expect, or I I tend to anticipate, or if I've been abused, I tend to anticipate. If I've experienced something negative, I tend to anticipate. If I've given my heart away and someone's crushed it, then I anticipate. Hello, church. And I begin to view the whole world around me that way. I begin to see everything through my baggage. My baggage are the glasses through which I see the rest of the world. And these are all things that weigh us down. They're all things that we we know we've got to deal with. They're they're all all things that we kind of tote around that we weren't meant to tote. Can 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 I help you out? You were not meant to carry baggage. That's why we have to put nice fancy straps on it so that we can do it. If you are meant to carry bag, I just got this new bag, right? This is, I like this bag. This is a new one. And, and for those of you who know me, I, I, I love backpacks and things like that, but I tend to wear them out real quick. And so I started buying these backpacks that are made out of like fire hose material. I love it. And so I got this new one in and my wife's like, did you order something off the internet? I said, I did. The, the bad thing about these backpacks is about 100 bucks a piece. And so she said, what did you order? I said, I ordered a new backpack. She said, there's nothing wrong with the one you had. I said, I know, but this one was $75 off. It's got a nice little strap. It's comfortable, right? Like I can put it on and carry stuff. I can carry stuff. Like, I, they, you know, they built padding into the strap to make it comfortable. And, and it's all adjustable so that I can put it across my chest. And it, it doesn't feel like, it, you know, it, I can carry it. It's good. Like we all, we, we're designed. Can you imagine going through life like this? I mean, this is the way we want to go through life. We strap stuff to us that's a burden. And we do whatever we can do to make it comfortable to keep it Strapped to us. And if that's not enough, if that's not enough, then Mike and Donna, they're going to invite me over to dinner. And when I go over to dinner, I'm going to, I'm going to carry all of my baggage with me too because, you know, I can't go anywhere without it. And so, like, I'm going over to Mike and Donna's house and, and I'm going to sit down at the table and I'm going to try and, well, you know, I'm going to sit down because I, can, I can't leave my baggage anywhere. And now, not only am I uncomfortable, but Donna's uncomfortable too because I hold all my luggage, all my stuff around. For one moment in time, 
I couldn't leave it alone. I've got to carry it with me everywhere I go. And every strap, everything is built so that I can carry more and more and more and more. And that's the way we look at life. We look at life as how can I carry more baggage? We don't, want, we don't understand how it affects us and how we see everything around us in the world. It affects everything that's going on in our life. When we get to this point in our life, we've got to realize that the baggage that we're carrying is because we've strapped it to ourselves. I talk to some guys sometimes and they say, well, what about my wife? She's a bag. And I think marriage seminars in February. Hello, church. It's all these cares and these burdens and these issues weigh us down. We're going to take a journey for a few weeks. Is that all right? We're going to take it. And specifically, we're going to deal with some specific baggage, some things I think that are key. Today, I'm going to lay a foundation for it because the first thing we've got to realize is that every one of us love to deny our baggage. Like, not me. I'm good. I'm good. I'm all right. Right? Like you've seen that person walk into church and you can look at them and see their countenance sitting the same. Like they got that Charlie Brown cloud over their head like it's only raining on them. Come on, somebody. All right, let me put it this way. Maybe you, maybe, maybe you come in from work and, and you look at your spouse, right? And, and you can see something's wrong and so you go over and you go, what's wrong? Nothing. Everything okay? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. And you go, there's some baggage here. Can I help you carry it? No. I told you everything was fine. Okay. Hello, somebody. You ever been there? And like, here's the way we're famous at denying our baggage. Why? Because we love to, instead of dealing with the baggage, we love to find ways to make ourselves comfortable carrying it. The first, see, some some of you got to learn. That this thing's become your identity. It's become part of who you are. And like you, you, can't, you can't imagine living life without your baggage. Like some of you are known as grumpy. Don't look at me like that. No one told me, I'm just saying. Some of you are known as being angry or short-tempered. Some of you are known as always carrying around a wound. Like you're always bleeding. you got relationship baggage. you got emotional baggage. And, and it's, it's just hurt. It's just part of who you are. Some of you teenagers, some of you teenagers know how to push your parents' buttons. Like you've got the keypad code and you're over there. Boop, 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 boop. And they explode on you. And then dad comes home or mom comes home and the other parent is hot. And you just go, I don't know what happened. Like don't push your parents' buttons. The only person that goes in pain or has any agony over that's you. Stop pushing the buttons. Like forget the code. Can I share this with you, church, with all the love that's in my heart? Let me share with you this morning. I want you to be encouraged. You were not born to fail. See, that's some of your baggage. Some of you feel like you're a failure to everything you've tried to do. You were not born to fail. You were not born to be in this place. You're not born to carry luggage. Jesus came so that you wouldn't have to carry baggage in your life. Can you say amen? Now, I'm going to preach with or without you. You're not born to fail. I'm not talking about some prosperity message here. I'm talking about learning to walk with Jesus in the reality that i got baggage in my life. The prosperity message says you don't have any baggage in your life. And i got news for you. i got some. Don't. It's become part of our identity. It becomes who we are and we can't imagine living without it. Like it's just, it's just me. And then when someone tries to confront our baggage, then we go what? Well, they just don't like me. They don't like me for who I am. All right, are we making an excuse for who we are? Are we making excuses for not being who God wants us to be? 
You can't imagine your life without baggage. Like it's always been there. Some of you feel like, well, I don't need this stress, but I got to have a job. Hello, church. But I'm telling you, we're going to learn as we go through the scripture here, we learn that you can go through life baggage free. We've got to make sure we're not hanging on to it. We've got to make sure we're not hanging on to the pain, to the burden, to the stress. You know, some of you folk remind me of this tree. You ever seen a tree? Like a strip of barbed wire has been stapled to it, and it's been stapled to it so long, but like the tree's grown around the barbed wire. Come on, church. You ever seen that? Like I was looking at some pictures of this kind of stuff as I was prepping, and uh, I saw this, this, this bicycle from, and this bicycle had been leaned up against a tree years and years and years ago. I was reading the story of this bicycle. It had been leaned up against this tree in the forest and forgotten. And years later, years later, some hunters were coming through the woods, and they were hunting, and they walked by this tree, and they looked six foot up in the air, Not only had this tree grown around the bicycle, but the bicycle had grown up into the air with the tree. Six foot in the air was this bicycle sticking out of this tree. Like it had been there for a long time. I'm going to ask us how long has stuff been leaning against us? Are we like this? Have we let it lean against us so long that we can't imagine what it'd be like to not have it? And so when our lives become like this, we go, well, it's too late now. I just got to learn to live with it. Just got to learn to live with it. After all, I mean, there's no way to get that bicycle out of that tree. Just got to learn to live with it. How many of you like to watch Pawn Stars? Everybody see Pawn Stars, right? See those guys like Rick and Chumley and all those guys? Like, I think Chumley's the star. He's great. This guy brought in this old, old, old Colt revolver, but, you know, they see that kind of stuff all the time. Do you guys see this episode where this revolver had been cut out of a tree? But they didn't cut it out of the tree. They'd cut the tree down and found its piece of metal sticking out, and so they began to examine a little bit, and they cut the tree sideways so that they could get it open. And when they opened it, what they found inside of it was this revolver. And this revolver had grown perfect. The tree had grown right around it, and it was perfectly. And they'd hinged it so, and they opened it up. When you opened up the tree, this revolver laid perfect inside the tree. It's beautiful. And Rick said, I'm going to buy it. I want to buy it, but not so that I can resell it, because I want to buy it so I can put it in my own house. Like this revolver, had it wasn't any good anymore. You couldn't use the revolver anymore. Hello, church. But now the revolver was part of the tree. We think, well, I've just got to learn to deal with it because that's the way life is. That's the way life is. It's just a part of me now. All this abuse that I experienced, it's a part of me, and that's why I'm negative. All this heartache I've experienced in my life, it's just a part of me, and that's why I can't trust people. My parents were addictive personalities, and they had as substance abuse problems. And so that's why I have substance abuse. It's a part of who I am. Come on, church. Are you listening to me? It's just part of me. I just got to learn to live with it. No, no. I tell you, no. What we've got to do is learn to let Jesus deal with it. Or y'all, y'all got to help me. We've got to learn to let Jesus deal with it because only Jesus can put it back the right way. Can't imagine our life without baggage, but we can't, we don't even realize sometimes we're carrying around extra weight. Like, I like this backpack, right? It's nice and comfortable. It fits me good. Like, I can't wait to transfer some of my stuff in it. Like, my wife's got four or five purses, and I'm like, nah, nah, boo boo. Now I got two backpacks. (laughs) Whatever color I'm, she's like, you got more than two. Whatever color I'm feeling that day, make sure it matches my shoes or my shirt. Does this backpack make me look bald? A <laughs> uh, marriage retreat in February would be. See, this, this pack is so comfortable now because I've been wearing it for a little while. Right? I don't even realize it's there. You know, when I go on vacation, after 
two or three days, you know, you begin to realize, wow, I didn't realize I was caring so much. Like, so used to go and so used to go and so used to go. And like the third day of vacation, like I'm, I'm, I'm out of my mind. Like I got to get up and do something. My wife's like, no, you don't. Yeah, I do. How many of you sleep in on vacation? Like, I took some time off at the end of the year. I had a couple of vacation days, and so I didn't set the alarm. One morning, one morning, no, we stayed up late. We watched a couple of movies. It was like, wow, we were teenagers again. It was like, and, and you know, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning, and the movie was over, and, and my wife and I looked at each other like, what are we thinking? It's 2 o'clock in the morning. So I didn't set the alarm. I was like, no big deal. I don't have to get up and go anywhere or be anything. So I woke up the next morning. It was 1045. I was like, oh, Lord, I got to get up and do something. My wife's like, no, you don't. What do you have to do? So you, you, you go on and you realize, wow, I don't realize I've been carrying this much stuff. I don't, I don't realize what I've been, you know, carrying. The, it's kind of like this weight. It's kind of like this burden, this thing that's going on. Right? Come up here, Hall. Come over here. Stand, stand right over here. You, you been working out? You sure? No, no, I don't want you to turn around and face me. You, you sure? Put your hold out right there. That's not too heavy, is it? No, like, curl it, curl it. One. Come on, do it again. <laughs> Two. One more time. Come on. Girl! Three. One more time. You can do it. Like, it wasn't that heavy the first time. What happened? Oh, no. You don't know. There we go. He got it. See what, you see what happens to us. Give him a hand. See, that's what happens to us. We know at first it doesn't seem that heavy. Right? At first it doesn't seem like a load. But then over a few moments, a few moments, that's about 25 pounds, not too bad, right? Listen, he don't even weigh 25 pounds. It doesn't seem that much. But now... We've been carrying around this physical and this emotional load, and it didn't seem like much. This hurts, these wounds. And, and, and see, some, may, maybe, some of you, maybe your dad said something. Maybe your mom did something. Maybe you had an absentee parent growing up. You know, what happened to you as a child? And you're carrying that. You're carrying that. You're carrying those burdens, those weights. Listen, it's not God's plan. I said it's not God's plan. Luke chapter 4, what we learn is Jesus' plan. Like, it's not God's plan for me to carry this weight. But I've made fancy straps and comfortable coverings so that I can carry it. But I was never designed to carry that. Like, Jesus comes to set us free. He comes to deliver us from the burden of carrying stuff we've strapped onto ourselves. In Luke chapter 4, look what Jesus says. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because, because He has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner and the recovery of the sight to the blind. To set the captive free. Like, that's you, that's me. Jesus inside of this church, listen to what he's doing. He's proclaiming, he's declaring his mission here on the earth. Let me help you out. Jesus came to do more than to just get you punched into heaven. Jesus came to set you free, that you might have life and life more abundant right now. I don't know about you, but life started for me the day I got saved. Eternity started for me the moment I got saved. I don't have to wait to get to heaven. I started celebrating that day, and I'm not going to... Why? Because Jesus announced his mission on earth was to set me free here on earth. He came to release me from my baggage. I don't have to wear that stuff anymore. I don't have to go through life with that stuff anymore. I can get rid of it and live free in Jesus Christ. And the the goal of this, at the end of it, is to say, I'm free of that junk. Not because I had to go through 500 hours of counseling, but simply because I came to Jesus. I came to the one who set me free from my burden. Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost, to heal, deliver, to set the captive free. I believe it's John chapter 8, verse 36, where it says, If the Son therefore makes you free, you are free indeed. Galatians chapter 5, look at this. It says, Plant your feet Firmly. Can you say firmly? 
I, I wish y'all would help me this morning, but I'm not real sure y'all ready for preaching this time of year. Listen, he said to, listen, he said, plant your feet firmly, firmly within the freedom that Christ has won for you and do not let yourselves be caught again. That means we've been delivered. Caught again in the shackles of slavery. Let me tell you something. Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary, you and I do not fight for victory anymore. We don't fight for victory anymore. We fight from victorious. You are already a victorious person, church. Because of what he did. Not because of what you did. He's come to set us free. I'm kind of a history guy, you know that. I, I love especially American history and everything that goes along with the good, the bad, and the ugly. I, lo- I love everything about American history. Uh, it was my, one of my favorite subjects in school. I had a great history teacher. Um, he was also my high school basketball coach, so I had to do well in his class anyway. But, um, or baseball coach. He, he was uh, our baseball coach, yeah. His name was Clarence Bellamy. And uh, he, was a, he was a black man that had a, an amazing way of teaching American history. Like, he, he just didn't come in and make you memorize dates. He, he, the way he lectured, I don't know, it, maybe it was a college setting or something, I don't know, but he, he mesmerized us every day in the classroom with what we were learning. He made it easy to learn history and to like it. And, and, and so I, I fell in love with that part of it. And here's, some, here's a bit of history I want to I just shock you, all right? January 1st, 1863, our president, Abraham Lincoln, signed the most important document that's probably been signed in the history of this country outside of the Declaration of Independence, and that was the Emancipation Proclamation. And everybody knows that. Kids, if you don't know that, you should be learning that kind of stuff, right? Well, that set every... No more, no more slaves that set men free, right? And they were freed from the bondage of slavery. They were all declared free. That one of the greatest acts of American president in the history of our country... See, because not only did he make a declaration that all men should be free in the United States, but that declaration was so powerful that it rang across the whole earth that slavery should not exist. The problem was there were some plantation owners who didn't tell their slaves. Like there wasn't any Fox News or CNN or MSNBC or, you know, the... Clinton News Network, I, I don't know what it is. Or... There wasn't any of that. There wasn't any satellite radio for Rush Limbaugh. Hello, church. There wasn't any of that. Some of the plantation owners didn't tell their slaves. And so news was slow to trickle down. One thing I loved about uh, Abraham Lincoln is he's such a great president is every city that would have been uh, conquered in the South during the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln came to that city. And he, he, he loved, and without security, he refused security. And any Southerner at any moment could have killed Abraham Lincoln. But because of who he was, when he walked through those cities... He began to love on the people and talk about unity and talk about a united states to talk about what what he felt like was supposed to happen in this great country. And it caused no one wanted to do him harm. Everybody honored and respected him because he would come to those cities. And so he signs this document. And surprisingly, surprisingly, listen to this, a high percentage of slaves stayed in bondage. They stayed in shackles because, because, not because they weren't free, but because they were afraid of what would happen in their freedom. Can I make it? Will I be able to survive? They're so beat down. They're so belittled. They were so demoralized that they had nothing in their walk for freedom. And see, that's the way we get as Christians sometimes. We've lugged this stuff around so long, and it's belittled us. It's demoralized us. Like it's crushed us, and it's created something inside of us that we don't want to be. And then when Jesus comes to say, I'm going to set you free from that, we go, wow, that's a great idea, but I'm not so sure I can survive. Because I'm going to have to change. I think it's sad when we see Christians... 
when Jesus came and gave his life for freedom, when we see Christians walking around holding baggage and saying, okay, it's okay, I've got this. It's okay, I've got this. I've got this. It's okay. Can I help you? No, I've got this. It's almost like we're doing Jesus a favor, carrying our load. Like Jesus has got the weight of the world on his shoulders, so I don't want to add to it. I'll just carry my own load. No, church, you've got to let go. You've got to let him carry your burdens. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, the Bible says, Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. How many of you want freedom? Think about this. We get to Hebrews chapter 12, where the Bible says to let us lay aside all the things that so easily trip us up, that beset us and keep us from running. I I love what the Living Bible says. It says, the Living Bible says this. Look at it. It says, since we have such a huge crowd of men of faith watching us from the grandstands, let us strip off anything that slows us down and holds us back. That is so good. Especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and trip us up. And then he says, let us run with patience. The particular race that God, that's a great translation. Because see, each one of us is in a race. Do you understand that, church? You're in a race, and God has called you to live free. The first step to living free, are you ready? Is to to realize that the fulfillment of God's plan in my life is based on the fact of whether I'm going to partner with him in what he's doing or not. Am I going to be a part of what God is doing in my life? Like, like it's, 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 desti- it's destined to come about in my life based on my ability to walk with God or my inability not to because I'm so shackled. Like, I've got to be a partner with God. Let me just tell you something, church. If you've got an issue and you can't be part of the solution to that issue, you're always going to have an issue. Are you with me? So always sit around and go, oh, I wish God would just deliver me. If Jesus would deliver me, I'd be free. Listen, you're not talking to a person who didn't need deliverance. I needed deliverance. Hello, church. All those years ago, some 21 years ago now, when I came to my wife and I confessed an addiction to pornography, I need, a, I need a deliverance. Hello, church. It was affecting my marriage. It was affecting my life. It was affecting everything, and I needed deliverance. And I remember that Sunday night where I pulled a chair up to the altar, and I said, I'm not leaving until God delivers me. And I remember those men praying for me and all of that. And I also remember Pastor Rick saying, God has delivered you. He will continue to deliver you, but you've got to walk out deliverance, Don." You've got to partner with God in what he's doing. You've got to hate that thing that God has delivered you from. The fulfillment of God's plan is based on my ability or my inability to walk and run with him. You're in a race. You see these people, you know some of you people, you know, you run these marathons, right? Like you're crazy. Like you're running 26 miles and ain't nobody chasing you. On purpose. It's fun. Like, why you run 26 miles? It's so much fun. Negative. Right? I'm with Ryan Yesh. Ryan says, show me one runner with a smile on his face while he's running. I might think about it. Here's the deal. I, you know, the other day, negative 29 degrees wind chill, right? Negative, we finally get out of the house. We get dug out. We've got to go. We, we, we get made out there. I'm going down the road. Negative 29 degrees wind chill. Here's this guy on the sidewalk. I'm like, this is why drugs are illegal. Why are you running? Did someone not tell you it's cold outside? And then to top it all off, they ain't got no clothes on. Like, like they got all this stuff is just... You know, it's just, you, you melt them and pour them into it, right? Got to get nice and smooth and slick and, and tight and all this. I'm like, why? Why do you wear all that? Because, right, we got to work on, we got to work on the drafting, the wind control. Listen, you can't run that fast. 
Like your, 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 your gas mileage isn't going to get any better. I'm just going to tell you right now. You can't run that fast. And I said, why, why are you doing that? And so then Joe, Joe, Joe Chapman, runs a marathon. And I see him running down there. I'm like, what? This guy, something's mad with his brain. Joe's like, yeah, I got to take a couple weeks off from running. I'm like, what happened? He's like, a couple of my toenails fell off. I'm like, dude, that's a sign from God that says stop. Just stop. It's enough. <laughs> Joe's like, man, we, we, what we try to do is we try to we make sure we make sure that we get everything down. So why? Because we don't want anything hindering us when we're running. Like bulky clothes could, could hinder us. It could slow our process down. Listen to this. When you grab onto a bag and you hang on to it, you carry this thing with you. You can't run the race that God has put before you. You can't do it. I don't want to make little of the things that are in your bag. Some of you have got some deep, heavy things, right? Like I know you've been on a long trip. And you come home, and it's like early in the morning. You're just tired. You want to get home, and you've got a bag full of dirty clothes. And you know you've got to unpack that bag, but all you want to do is rest. Right? Like that's all we really want. Is like, and we don't want to deal with the dirtiness, man. Right? But we realize, look, there's probably some clothes in there that I need to wash because I need to wear some clothes tomorrow if I don't deal with this dirtiness. And we, we're just like, I don't want to deal with it. Do you ever just leave a bag and not deal with it? Right? Like, you know, the, the, we came home from the wash night service. I had this bag, you know, and I put some clothes in there that I changed into to play ball. And then afterwards I changed back in. I, I left all my sweaty clothes in the bag. And, and, and a couple of days later, my wife's like, are there clothes in that bag? And I was like, yeah. She's like, I don't want to open that bag, do I? I was like, no. She said, why'd you leave that bag there? I was like, I didn't want to deal with it. She's like, I got news for you, buddy. I ain't dealing with it either. Like, we don't want to deal with the dirtiness, but we know if we don't deal with it, we can't get it clean. Like we just, and I don't want to make light. Some of you have been through some power. We've all been through. You've heard my story. You've heard my wife's story. She's been very blunt with you about all of the abuse in her life. You know, physically, emotionally, sexually, in every way. She shared all this. Stuff. It's baggage, church. It's real. It's real enough that Jesus came to die because of it. Mm. The children of Israel... It was God's perfect ordained will that they go in the promised land. Is that okay? Is that good theology? Sure. But every one of those original people had to wander in the desert until those who doubted died off. Let me help you process this. God expects us to operate in faith. Like, I, I want you to, faith is not instead of. Faith is because of. Faith is not instead of doubt. Faith is because of doubt. Can you just let it soak in, right? See, I mean, the message is, is, is faith is because of. I've got to have faith because. How many of you have doubts sometimes? Let's just be honest, right? I mean, we just have doubts sometimes. We just go, God, are you God enough for this? God, can you deal with this? Lord, where are you, right? And we've got to have faith because of that. Faith is very simple. Faith motivates me to action. Faith isn't, oh, I just want you to move, God. God, if you'll move, I'll move. That's not. Faith is believing that God has spoken it and he'll do it. God has said it and he'll bring it to pass. That's faith. God wants us to act upon our belief system in such a way that it joins us with what he's doing in our life. The problem with the, the children of Israel is they believe their circumstances more than they believe the word of God. And that's what I'm asking you to think about when you think about luggage. Because your luggage, your baggage in your life has caused some circumstances. Somebody say amen. 
We can focus on those issues, focus on those circumstances, and we can let our whole life be built out of it. Or we can say, no, the word of God is dedicated. It's declared something else for my life. And regardless of my circumstances, this is who God is. I'm going to let go of that baggage. We've got to stop believing what the world is telling us. You know why these people were afraid? You know why the children of Israel were afraid? Because, see, they, had, they looked at their circumstances, and the Bible says that they saw themselves as grasshoppers next to the enemy. I got a little pile of luggage here, but some of, some of us have got, wow, that's a big pile. You know the thing about a grasshopper? The grasshopper is not only small, but it's pretty fragile. Right? Sure it is. How many of you ever grab a grasshopper and its leg break off in your It's pretty fragile, right? Crickets, grasshoppers, they're the same way. They're real fragile. Like, well, I, had, I had tarantulas in Florida for a long time. Like, my oldest one lived to be about 14 years old. Right? And, and so every day I'd have to go out and catch, I'd have to catch grasshoppers and crickets for it. And you know, you have to be careful when you catch them because you'll smush them. And you think, well, that's no big deal. Just, you're just feeding it to the spider. You don't understand. The spider won't eat it unless it's alive. And so you've got to be careful because it's, it's, it's very fragile. And so they saw their situation and their circumstance. And not only did they see themselves as smaller than that, but they also saw themselves as pretty fragile. And because of what they were going through, like they carried the baggage of fear. And fear in mine and your life has stopped us many times from doing what God has called us to do. Like in 2001, God told me to move to Michigan. And I was terrified. And I fought that for two years. Fear kept me in Florida for two years longer than I feel like I probably should have been. I remember in June of 2003 showing up in Sturgis, Smith, Johnny Carlos showed up to help me unload the van. Remember that? I remember being scared to death. I remember my wife's bird continuing to say, what you doing? What you doing? What you doing? I had no idea what I was doing. Right? fear we hold on to it and it becomes an anchor to us and we think oh that's a good thing but let me help you out church anchors only designed to do one thing sink you holding on to an anchor guess what you're going to do listen don't jump out in the water holding on to an anchor you'll let that baggage go and then all of these anchors become what to us they, be, they become the things that hinder us like, like poor self image uh, you know, defeatist attitude. Fear of rejection and fear of failure and perfectionism and procrastination. Lack of self-control. How about negative attitudes? Indecision. Like, it's funny now, I tell this story, I'll tell it again, it's just hilarious. You know, after you get married, you live together for a while, you learn to live with each other, and, and the things that used to aggravate us now, I just think it's hilarious, it's just funny, right? And my wife, my wife, she's amazing when it comes to a particular issue. Like, she will see something, we'll be in the store, and she'll be like, hey, I, wow, I really like that, I like, I'm going to save up the money, and I'm going to come back and buy that. And I'm like, great. And she will do it. Like, she'll start an envelope, and she'll save money. And she'll have this whole envelope full of money, right? And it'll be cash. And I'm thinking, great, we're going to go because I'm, I'm not paying retail. When I got cash, we're going to get a deal. It's a great thing. And so we go back to the store. We get right in front of it. My wife is standing there, and she's like, oh, it's great. That's the one I want. And I'm like, that's the one you want? Yes, that's the one I want. I said, are you going to buy it? And she's like, I don't know. Oh, help me, Jesus. You don't know. She's like, I don't, I don't know if we should spend the money. I'm like, you saved. You saved for six months. You, you saved up cash. Spend the money. It's what you want. Buy it. I, don't, I really would love for you to buy I don't know. I don't tell you. I, I just love to go now to watch entertainment. But she just can't spend the money. That's not a bad thing. Hello, somebody. It's good entertainment for me now. So, like, we'll leave the store. She won't buy it. And all the way home, 
Well, you know, the conversation, I should have bought it, right? I mean, I really should have bought that, shouldn't I? And it's just like, oh, my aching ears. You know, yeah, you should have bought it, baby. Saved up. It's okay. You know, you can, you can have it. It's good. What's the matter with that? And she's like, I don't know. I don't know. And, all, you know, the next morning we wake up and she's like, I should have bought it. And then she makes a special trip back to the store to buy the thing we could have bought the day before. It's hilarious. It happens every time. This indecision. Nah, it's not. I'm not. I'm just picking on her because I can. Marriage retreat's coming in February. I don't know. What's your baggage? I don't know. What's your baggage? Like, what's your baggage? See, I want, I, want, I want you to look at the thing that hinders you. Ask the Lord. The thing that entangles you. What, what is the journey to freedom? Lord, what is the journey to freedom? We're going to be on it in the next few weeks. I want you to consider it. There's a race that's set before you. Like, you've been marked out, church. You don't know what I'm going through, Don. I mean, what God's called me to do, I just can't do it because of... Listen, if you let your past disqualify you from God's great calling, you make yourself God, and who do you think you are? Hello, church. Like the Bible says, he loved you before the foundations of the world. Like he knew you by name before he hung one star. Who are you to say what qualifies and disqualifies you? It's God's calling, not yours. Hello, church. You need to be obedient to God's calling in your life. You just don't know what I'm going through, what I'm toting. You think that story's bad? You think your story's bad? Let me give you a story. You ready? Let's go back to our American history real quick. I got a few minutes. Pay attention, kids. History class here. Let me refresh your memory of a great hero. Abraham Lincoln. You ready? Let me you know what this guy looks like. Right? Okay, so he's not the prettiest guy in the world. You heard about him? I wonder. I wonder if we've heard about him. At age nine, his mom dies. He got to attend one year of formal schooling because his family needed him to work. At age 20, he was fired from his job as a store clerk. At age 20, he got fired. In 1832, he ran for state legislator and was defeated. He came in eighth out of 13 in that race. Loser. One year later, his business failed because his business partner died. And then he promptly spent the next 17 years paying off the debt from that failed business. There's a lesson for us in America. In 1834, he was elected to the Illinois state legislature. There's a win for us. And then the following year, his sweetheart, his fiancée of four years, died. After she died, he had a nervous breakdown and he spent six months in the bed. A year after that, he was defeated for the Illinois House Speaker. He was married after that and had four children. His four-year-old died. He was defeated for nomination to Congress. He finally was elected to Congress in 1846. Two years later, he lost his re-election bid. In 1849, he was rejected for the position of the U.S. land officer. And in 1854, he was defeated in his attempt to become a United States senator. Two years later, he was defeated for the nomination as the vice president of the United States. And two years after that, he was defeated again for the United States Senate. Finally, can you say finally? Finally, at age 51, he was elected as the 16th president of the United States of America, and you thought your life was rough. The things this man went through would be things that will cause most of us to quit. Just forget about it. To use as an excuse to say it's my lot in life to always lose. But because he didn't carry around luggage, church, he went through some things. It's very real. 
But because he didn't carry around luggage, not only are there no more slaves in the United States, but it's basically illegal in the world now for slavery. And it was all because one man stood up and said, there's a proclamation that all men are free. It was in our Declaration of Independence. Regardless of color of skin, regardless of nationality, regardless of religion, all men should be free. This man fulfilled his destiny. He fully transformed the United States and, I would say, the whole world. And he didn't even live that long. He fulfilled his purpose. He's held as I believe, I believe, one of the greatest presidents of the United States. I'm sick to my stomach when I see politicians stand up and say, I'm like Abraham Lincoln. You like somebody, but you're not like that great man. Now listen to me. He was your president, not mine. I had my own president in the South. Hello, church. The greatest president of the United States had baggage. But he changed the world. I said he changed the world. I mean, to me, it's just, uh, I was riveted in class. These were the things our history teacher talked to us about when we got to know a man more than just the dates of a man's life. We got to let go of our baggage and we got to grow hold. We got to grab hold of God's promise. You can tweet this. You can Facebook it if you want to. You cannot grab a hold of the promise of God while you're holding on to your baggage. You're going to need both hands. If you want a good marriage, you got to knock off that pornography. If you want a good marriage, you, you got to let go of those offenses and those hurts. Your husband's not perfect. Your wife's not perfect. You've got to forgive them. You've got to move forward. Right? You want the blessing and the favor of God in your life financially? Stop spending more than you make. We've got financial peace here. Martin Marianne, financial team. They, they, right? Y'all didn't give me a, an amen on that because I know it's, it's, I can tell when it's personal. Melody Wilson tells about the pains in her own life and how she used eating as a way to curb that. And uh, she shares her testimony about all those, all those, those things and how, you know, listen, you want to be in good shape, unless you can't use that as an excuse, right? You want to get in shape? Let me just help you out. You can't eat Norma Schwartz's German chocolate cake every day for breakfast. You just can't do it. Leave it to me. I'll, be, I'll take it for you, right? I'll carry that burden for you. And he bite. God wants us to be free. Do you believe it? Philippians says, Brother, I do not consider myself as yet to having taken hold. Are you with me, church? But this one thing I do, I forget what's behind me, and I shrink towards the high calling of God. What's ahead? I press towards the prize that God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Living free is incredible, isn't it? We've got to let go of our baggage. We've got to let go of our baggage. We've got to press towards what God has called us to. Grab a hold of this. Now, here's, here's an effect of baggage on us. Are you ready? Real quickly. Real quickly. Number one, baggage distracts you. Absolutely. You ever been trying to go anywhere with a bunch of baggage? Right? I, like, I know we go on these mission trips and everybody's got four or five bags because we're trying to take supplies and all this good stuff. You're trying to go through the airport and all that. You know, it's just distracting. You hang on to those bags, grab a hold of the issues of life. It distracts you. How many times have you and I missed an opportunity to share the good love of Jesus Christ because we were in a hurry? Y'all got quiet again. How about this? I'm going to go through it quick. It diminishes our, our pace. It slows us down. It drags us down. The weight of it drags us down. Like, like Joe says, man, I can't, wear a, I can't wear a big old bulky Carhartt jacket when I'm running. Right? It depresses our mind like it works on us all day long. We get burdened by it. And how many of you know sometimes you've got so much issues going on, you just can't turn your mind off? It works on you, works on you, depresses us. 
It divides our focus. Like we can't even concentrate on what we should be doing. Like it drains our energy and it ruins us for what the day is. Like it, it continues to dilute our faith and it pours inside of us trouble and heartache and doubts and unbelief. Like it derails the plans of God in your life. Makes you think about your plans more than God's. Damages relationships. Y'all should have said amen. Let's just be honest, right? In our relationships, our baggage has gotten away. I can remember when my wife and I were going through things, she was like, you know, I married you, but I didn't intend to marry all this baggage. Oh, church. We had to work through some of that stuff. It destroys our lives. Like it doesn't bring the abundant life that Jesus got. And it depletes. It completely cancels out our walk with God. So let's talk about it quick. Let's talk about it quick, right? You got to identify your bags, right? How many of you ever been in the airport at the carousel, right? And you're looking for your bag, aren't you? God bless you people who buy black bags. Right? You just looking at it. You ever seen that person who picks up every bag, looks at it, every bag, looks at it, every bag, looks at it? Listen, I want to start traveling. You know what I'm going to start traveling with? A pink polka dot bag. Nobody's grabbing that bag. Nobody's going to grab it. It's mine. Like we got, we, we travel and we, we tie all these little frillies onto the end of it, right? So like, I don't know. I saw my bag one day. This bag, this bag, as a matter of fact, in Nicaragua, we were down there. I was looking for this bag. I saw one lady walking away. I was like, hey, that's my bag. She's like, oh, I'm sorry, look just like mine. I didn't read the tag. Hello, church. You got to identify your bag. Stop acting like it isn't real. What's your bag? I dare you to ask the Holy Spirit. I dare you to humble yourself. Right? I dare you. What are the things that hinder you? What are the things that entangle you? Like Psalms 139. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offense. Right? And lead me in the way of everlasting. You can't be healed or set free if you acknowledge something doesn't exist. Hello, church. Like, it's real. Let's just be honest. You can't pretend. Listen, you've got to be a part of the solution. I had a bad attitude, right? Like, I go to my wife and say, look, I'm sorry I had a bad attitude. Will you forgive me? I'm not making any excuses for it. it, it I don't even want to talk about what we're arguing about. It was all on me. I just had a bad attitude, right? Like, can we go get some Chinese food now or something? I don't, that usually helps her. She's had a bad day. Chinese food always works. Or strawberry shake from McDonald's. Like I've tried to take notes over the years. So some days I walk in and I have said nothing. We haven't seen each other all day long. And I walk in with a strawberry milkshake from McDonald's. My wife will be like, what'd you do? <laughs> nothing. If I got strawberry milkshake and Chinese in my hand, hello somebody, right? She's like, I need to sit down, don't I? You got to take responsibility. This is the worst problem in America. It's always somebody else's fault. Listen, I'm not denying what happened to you. I'm not denying what's going through you. And I'm not denying that other folk might, folk might have been involved in what happened to you. But at some point, you got to take responsibility that you're lugging some luggage around, okay? You got to take responsibility. I don't care where it came from. That's not the issue. My third grade teacher made me sit in the corner every day of my third grade life. Like I would walk in the classroom, hadn't even done anything. She's like, Don, you're sitting in the corner. Because she knew I was going to do something. I was just mean. So she got so tired of having to stop class and put me in the corner that when I walked in, she already had the chair ready for me. I couldn't complain that she was mean to me. She was cruel to me. I had to sit in the corner my whole third grade life. 
That's a true story. Or I could just grow up and say, I was a mean little snot, okay? I was mean. And she just didn't know what to do with me. That's the only thing I remember about third grade is where my seat was at. Like everybody else would sit over here, I'm over there in the corner. Like my dad would go to parent-teacher, he wouldn't even go talk to that teacher. He'd just know. Here's the deal. Take responsibility. Third, we've got to make a decision to deal with it. Right? You know, if you talk to uh, these tree people, I don't know what you call them, these horticulturists, right? Is that what we call them, right? I, I can say these words. I'm all right. Horticulturists, right? Talk to a tree person. When's the best time to plant a tree? You know what they're going to tell you? 20 years ago. If you'd have planted the tree 20 years ago, it'd be grown now. When's the time to deal with something? Not tomorrow. Like, how many of you said you're going to eat better Monday? I'm going to eat better Monday. Today, I'm going to go in a sugar coma. Tomorrow? Tomorrow, it, it never gets here. We've got to deal with the day. Like, I remember talking to one guy. I said, man, I really want to quit smoking. I'm like, all right, start today. He's like, I already had a cigarette today. Okay. I'm starting over. I'm starting fresh. I'm going to deal with it. Ask God for strength. You're going to need God's strength. You can't do it on your own. How many of you tried to do it for on your own? How many of you tried to do it on your own? Let me ask you a question. How's that working? Uh, You've got to have God's help. You're trying to run this race in your own ability. Listen, every prayer, every day. Listen, you've got to have God's help. We need His strength. What's wrong with looking at the Lord and saying, I'm struggling, God. I'm struggling. I'm angry. I'm struggling, Lord. I'm depressed. I'm struggling. I'm sad. I'm struggling. I'm broken. I'm struggling, Lord. I'm even mad at you, God. Like He doesn't know. You're trying to hide that from Him? Struggling with a negative attitude. Right? Like, something goes wrong. My wife and I, we got this little thing we do, like sour grapes. Like, we didn't get something we wanted or something that worked out like we wanted to, and we start whining about it, and we go, oh, it probably wasn't that big a deal anyway. Right? And the other one goes, oh, yeah, it was probably sour grapes. Grapes are probably no good anyhow. Right? Like, the sky's falling. You ever meet those people? I mean, like they're direct descendant from Chicken Little. But God's going to help me. Let me read this to you in the Amplified Version. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Cast the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on Him. For He cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. It's a great translation. Like that's a great translation. Psalms thirty eleven says, "You have turned for me my mourning into dancing." Psalms one sixteen one through seven. Pay attention to this. I underline some things because I want you to I want you to grab this as we close. I love the Lord, for He heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. You just, I mean, just don't read it so fast. Just slow down. Because he turned his ear to me. And I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came upon me. I was overcome by trouble and sorrow. How many of you have ever been there? Then I called on the name of the Lord. Oh, Lord, save me. And the Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protected, protects the simple-hearted. When I was in great need, He saved me. Be at rest once more, O oh my soul. Like, who's He talking to here? Himself. You know, sometimes you need to preach to yourself. For the Lord has been good to you. 
Isn't that, listen to me. I was overcome by trouble and sorrow, but he saved me. Sometimes we just got to tell ourselves, God's been good to you. God has been good to you. What's the matter with you? Like my heart's not in it. My mind knows, but my heart's not there. And we've sometimes got to move our heart into a position where we tell it that God is good no matter what. Got to rest in that. And as we do that, we can trust God to restore what was lost. Like Psalm 71, 20 says, Though you made me see troubles, many and bitter, you will restore my life again from the depths of the earth. You will again bring me up. And that is so good. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, right? Whatever it is, might seem like months and years of heartache, but God's going to redeem the time. I look at Abraham Lincoln. He's 51 years old, and he stepped into his destiny. And I challenge you in the next few weeks to press into, don't just let this be sermon time at church. Let it be something that impacts our life every day. Like how many of you are sick of carrying around luggage? How many of you are sick of carrying around baggage? Like I'm just sick of it. Here's the blessing. This is your baggage claim. God never replaces something less. He always replaces it with more and better. I want you to stand with me in this place. Now, over the next few weeks, I'm not going to play patty cake. We're going to deal with some things in particular. They're going to be so good, right? And we're, we're going to be challenged to deal with them. And I, I hope and pray that you allow the Spirit of God, right, to begin to just motivate you in a direction. Because when I come back from Africa, we went to Africa in 2004. We spent two weeks over there. When I came back from Africa, my wife made me leave the luggage on the back porch for two weeks. It was bad. It was bad. You know, the only way sometimes to deal with stink is to let it air out. Are you with me? And that's what we've got to do. We've got to air some things out. We've got to let the Word of God draw them out in such a way that God can love us through it. Like, I'm not talking about airing things out so you can be condemned because of it. Right? I remember the first time I ever shared all those years ago. It'd be what eleven over eleven years, about eleven years ago now. Like last Sunday, last Sunday was eleven years that I've been at FFM. My wife and I've been at FFM. That was eleven years last Sunday morning. And I remember sharing for the first time my deliverance from pornography all those years back. And I remember after the sermon, someone came up to me and said, Oh, Pastor Don, you can't really share that stuff from the pulpit. And I said, Why not? And they said, Well, people need to see you as perfect. Now, you got the wrong person. I don't know who you're looking for. This is going to be a short journey. <laughs> Are you with me? No, I dare some things out. But see, I can talk about it in a way today now that I don't, I don't feel at all condemned by it. Right? Because the Lord loved me through it. Right? And, and that's, I think, what happens to us so often. We think, well, we shouldn't deal with it. Let's not air it out because we, we don't want to experience what we feel is a condemnation through. The Word of God, Jesus didn't come to condemn me. He came to set me free, right? And I'm going to celebrate that. I'm going to tell everybody I've been set free, what? right? I've been delivered. Like, I'm not toting that luggage around anymore. Last night, I was just sitting at the thing, right? We're going, the computer was on. I was running through Facebook, and somebody put a naughty picture up there. I was like, I unfriend you. Click. Like, I've been doing that a lot lately. Don't send me no perverted pictures. Right? Well, perverse language, I was like, I unfriend you. Right? My wife's like, you can just unfollow them. No. No, I'm just like, done. I'm not unfollowing them. I wouldn't even know how to do that. Why was I following to start with? No, I'd be following Jesus. I unfriend you. 
My wife, you did a commercial? That's not how this works. I want you to understand there's joy and freedom and not lugging around baggage. And we're going to get there. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this great people. I pray and thank you for each and every person, God, that you have drawn to this place. From north to south, God, we've all brought our baggage like we all packed for the journey, Lord. Some of the things are necessary. In truth, God, most aren't. And so, Lord, would you show us each area, the weights, the burdens, the things we've carried and held us down and hindered our walk, kept us from running this race for you, or whatever it is. The Holy Spirit, I'm just going to pray that you would today, throughout this week, help us each deal with our bags, our issues, and our burdens. God, as we ask you for help, I pray for each and every person here that they'd be able to walk in the freedom and liberty that Jesus has come and bought and paid for. In the name of Jesus, right now, make a declaration. I declare them free. Free in their thought life, free in their hearts, free in their relationships, free in their emotions. I declare healing and victory and freedom in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Turn around and tell somebody you're free. God bless you. Remember, Wednesday night, new sermon series in Ephesians.